Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. All right, well today we are kicking off a brand new series that we're literally simply calling Not What, But Who. What do I mean by that? We're not called just to be a Christian by title. We're not called just to be Assemblies of God because we happen to meet in an Assemblies of God church every single week. But the question that begs to be asked is, what are you deep down on the inside? I joke with people and tell them I bleed type AG blood because that's who I am. That's, that's what runs through my veins. But more importantly, more specifically, what runs through my veins is the very heart of God. And I want to challenge you over the next nine weeks as we process through the book of Hebrews, we're going to discover what does it truly mean to allow all that God is to be integrated into who we are as a person. In other words, to allow the DNA, the nature of God to run through our heart and run through our veins, to allow our walk with God to be more than a, a nameplate that we wear or a church or a building that we attend, but to allow it to be a daily walk with Jesus that truly steers, leads, and guides every single step that we take. Take a look at our text today. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Long ago God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, how many of you would agree with me, we are in the last days? Amen. Jesus is coming back. Sooner than later, Jesus is coming back. And now in these last days, Paul says, he has spoken to us. Grab a hold of that. God desires to speak into your life. God desires to lead you and to guide you. God desires a plan and a path for your life. He's already laid it out. All he wants you to do is hear his voice and follow. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. That's Jesus. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very nature of God. And he sustains, in other words, he holds everything together by his mighty power, the power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in a place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Grab a hold of this today. God has a plan for your life. He expresses that to you and I. He uses Jesus in that process and his very nature. We have the opportunity to allow it to take root deep inside of who we are. Galatians tells us that the Holy Spirit places inside of us a a new nature. The moment we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the moment that we ask him to come in to be the Lord of our lives, we are instantly changed. Now, let me clarify something. You're not instantly perfect. Come on. But you're instantly changed. 
See, the moment Jesus steps in, he begins to do a work deep on the inside of your life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Is there a difference between the outward cleanup and the inside transformation? Because sometimes we're guilty of looking the part on the outside. Come on, somebody. We're guilty of looking the part on the outside, but we fail to allow the change and the transformation on the inside. Galatians doesn't say that the Holy Spirit produces something on the outside. It doesn't say that the Holy Spirit gives you a new outfit. It doesn't say that the Holy Spirit helps you clean up real nice-like. But it says the Holy Spirit produces inside of you, plants the seed inside of you. And the question is, are you satisfied with being what? Or are you more satisfied and and hungry to pursue what God has you to be? Not what, but who? That's what we're looking at over the next nine weeks. And in the time that, that Paul is writing this to the Hebrews, it's about 70 A.D. And the believers at that time, they were being persecuted for their faith. And yet, while they were being persecuted, they were faithfully ministering to the needs of those around, to those that were suffering. But here's the interesting fact They were so focused in on doing ministry that the Bible says that they were drifting away from their faith. That they were coasting. They they quickly reverted back to the old routine, the old rituals of what I need to do and what I have to do, what's required of me. So they were doing what needed to be done, but they were failing to connect with the source that wanted to produce and grow inside of them this new nature. Now, the tragic thing is that many of these believers were at a spiritual stand still. In fact, they were in danger of falling away. Did you know that you will never stand perfectly still in your relationship with God? It's true. You will never stand perfectly still. You're either moving closer to him or you're drifting further away from him. The question is, what does that look like in your life? I can't answer that for you. You can't answer for somebody else in the room. You're going to have to determine for yourself today, where do you fall in this pendulum? Where do you fall in this scale of growth, of spiritual growth, of spiritual maturity with God? Remember, it's not what you say you are, but it's who you truly are. It's that transformation on the inside. The tragic thing that happens is instead of focusing in on the relationship with Jesus, too often we tend to focus in on what we're to do or what we're not to do, thinking that somehow that's going to get us closer to God. If I just spend more time reading the Bible, if I just spend more time rocking babies in the nursery, if I just spend more time telling people about Jesus, let me clarify, are those things bad? No. No, we need to do those things. We need to allow the Word of God to be 
uh, digested, implanted deep inside of who we are. We need to serve and be a servant for the kingdom of God. Jesus demonstrated that. We need to be a witness and share the good news. But if we feel like that's going to get us to heaven, I'm sorry to tell you, it's not going to work. You're going to find yourself so focused on doing the act that you miss the connection, the heart connection. Here's the reality. We would simply call that religion. Punching a spiritual time card, going through the motions. And truth be told, religion is man's attempt to get to God. If I can just do more, then God's going to be happy with me. Then I'm going to make him happy. Then everything's going to be right. Religion, punching the spiritual time card, it's simply man's best attempt to get to God. We try to work our way to heaven. We trust that religion will somehow save us. So Paul pointed out to the Romans that we can be religious and still be lost. I'm going to say something very quickly that's going to shatter some of your brains here. You can attend church every single Sunday and still go to hell. Did you know that? Oh, pastor, but I I go to church. I'm faithful to church. Just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. I mean, I can hang out in the garage all day long, but that doesn't make me a car. Right? (laughs) Hebrews compares religion with a relationship. See, what Jesus longs for, for you and for me, is not a religious act. Oh, there are things that, that we should do, but we do them because we want to do them. We do them because it draws us closer to God. And the more that we dive into his word and the more that we spend time in the presence of God, the more that we realize of him there is to find. The more we realize there is to find, the more that we fall in love with him. And the more that we fall in love with him, the closer we become to him. And the more we become him, the more we share him, the more we reflect him. Do you see the process of this? See, we're not talking about religion. What God desires from you is a relationship. Because a relationship is God's attempt to get to man. Where do you stand in that process? Religion? Relationship. Are are you guilty of just going through the motions, looking the parts, answering all the questions right, doing all the responsibilities, but having no heart connection or is your desire to to connect with God to have that relationship with him to get to know him to surrender yourself to him you see relationship is God's attempt to get to us it was Tommy Tenney in the book God Chasers that once said this there is much more of God available than we have ever known or imagined but we have come, become so satisfied with where we are and what we have that we don't press in for God's best. Come on, look at that. 
There's so much more of God available. But for some reason or another, we've become satisfied with what we have. We've become content in the spot where we are. But God says, would you step out of where you are? Would you step into where I have you to be? That's why I want to take some time this morning to look at what Paul has to say about religion. That's one of the primary concerns in the book of Hebrews. Are we listening? Are we following? Are we obeying what God has called us to do in this relationship with him? So I know it's going to be kind of strange. We're on a study in the book of Hebrews, but we're going to shift just a little bit today. And we're going to move to the book of Romans. Why am I going to do that? Because we've got to set the foundation of where we're headed in this study. So Romans chapter 2, Paul is talking to the Jewish people. And he's concerned about the direction that they're headed. Now, let me clarify this morning. In the Bible times, you had two groups of people. You had the Jews and you had the Gentiles. I would probably safely say that the majority of us in the room today are Gentiles. Gentiles are simply anybody that's not a Jew. Or we could get a little, a little bit more specific. We can call Christian and unchristian, or Christian and unsaved. Okay. Now, many of us are saved in the room, so kind of depend on where you stand in that. Let's go. Romans chapter 2, beginning verse 17 says this, you who call yourself Jews, or for our sake, you who call yourself Christians, are relying on God's law. And you boast about your special relationship with him. You know what he wants. You know what is right because you have been taught his law. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach the children the ways of God. For you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? Whew. You tell others not to steal, but you steal. You say that it's wrong to commit adultery, but you commit adultery. You condemn idolatry, but you use items stolen from pagan temples. You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scripture says the Gentiles, the, the unsaved, blaspheme the name of God because of you. The Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God and his law. But if you don't obey God's law, you are no better off than the uncircumcised Gentile. Today, for the next few moments, I want to break this section of Scripture apart. I'm going to give you more notes today than we normally have. In fact, I'm going to challenge you, take really, really, really good notes. This is going to be one of those messages that you're going to want to go back to at a later point to evaluate where you stand from religion to relationship. I'm going to talk for the next few moments about seven characteristics of a religious 
person. Now, as we're going through this, and I give you one of these points, if suddenly it applies to your life, don't become offended, okay? But simply say, God, what do I need to do to move from religion to relationship? Are you ready? All right, here we go. Characteristic number one, they depend on a label. They depend on a label. Romans chapter 2, verse 17, it says, You who call yourselves Jews, for our case, those of you that call yourselves Christians, you cling to that label. You hold on to that label. That's your source of hope. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower. I attend church. I'm a Christian. It's who I am. The Jews thought that their heritage was an instant passport to heaven. If you would ask them, are you right with God, they would reply, of course, I'm a Jew. Those of us today, this would be the question. Are you a Christian? Oftentimes I'll ask that. If I'm out in public and I'm talking to somebody, the first question is, do you attend church anywhere? And the second question is, are you a Christian? And oftentimes when I ask, a, ask if you're a Christian, this will be the response. Of course I am. I'm Presbyterian, I'm Baptist, I'm Assemblies of God, I'm Methodist, or my parents are Christians, they attend such and such church, or my grandparents were missionaries, my uncle was a pastor. Somehow we cling to this title as our hope, somehow believing that a label will instantly put us in right standing with God. We depend upon the label, but we miss the relationship. Can I just tell you, God's not in the business of giving labels, but God's in the business of transforming lives. The second characteristic that I see is this. They rely on rules and regulations. The latter portion of verse 17 says this, relying on God's law. You who call yourselves Jews, you're relying on God's law. He's talking about the first five books of the Old Testament, commonly known as the Pentateuch. They religiously followed the rules. They were very strict in the structure, making sure that they didn't do this on this day, but they were allowed to do this on that day, that they didn't go to this place or they didn't touch that thing. And whatever the case may be, Following the law to a T. Now, is it bad to know between right and wrong? No. We need to have, uh, we need to know between right and wrong. We need to know where we stand and what we are to do. If the commandments were enough, though, Jesus would not have had to die. Come on, grab a hold of that. If the rules and the regulations were enough, 600 and some odd rules that the Jewish people follow. If that was enough, then Jesus would not have had to come. But truly, there was a disconnect because how do you know, as, as much as we want to do what is right, there are moments that we make wrong choices. Come on, anybody else in the house? 
even though we want to do what's right, we want to follow the path, we want to follow the commands, we want to do what God has, inevitably, kind of like Paul in Romans chapter 7, what does he say? I know what I need to do, but I don't do it. And the things that I know that I shouldn't do, I do anyway. And even though I don't want to do them, for some reason or another, it happens in my life. I end up doing it. I really don't know what's going on. And then Paul says, what a wretched, miserable person I am. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you've been following the religious train. And you're at the point right now where you've been trying to do what's right. But you find yourself stumbling and struggling to do that. And like Paul, you look in the mirror and you're thinking, what a miserable, wretched person I'm looking at right now. And the problem is, too often we get stuck in Romans chapter 7. But if we'll just keep reading a few verses, the very end of chapter 7, Paul says, but thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ and then you move into chapter 8, and it says, There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those that believe. In other words, I can turn it over to God. I'm not trapped in this guilt of despair any longer because of the relationship that I have with Jesus. Come on, somebody. Because of the relationship I have with Jesus, my life is radically changed. I don't have to stay in that pit of despair anymore. I'm not bound to the rules and the regulations any longer. But what I'm bound to is this relationship of a transformation from the inside out. There was a group of people that Jesus was speaking to one day. Religious leaders in his day, they were called the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees were very strict in their approach, doing their best to earn their way to heaven by making sure that every T was crossed and every dot I was dotted. But Jesus looks at them and he says this in Matthew chapter 23. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees. How would you like to have that conversation with Jesus? Imagine with me just for a moment that he comes in this place today and he, he begins to hang out with us and he looks across the crowd and he says, what sorrow awaits you? Follows that up by saying hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but you're filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurities. Outwardly, you look like righteous people. I mean, outwardly, you clean up really nice. I mean, you're attired today. You are sporting a great-looking fit. I'm just telling you. You look amazing today. Oh, that's a new Bible. I like that Bible. That's, that's nice. You're carrying around proudly. You've got your serve team badge on. You're looking, you're looking the part. Because on the outside, you look really nice. But inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Listen carefully. 
being good is not good enough. I mean, we've all heard this statement, but I'm, I'm a good person, right? I'm a good person. Why would God send a good person to hell? Can I just clarify something? God doesn't send anybody to hell. We were already headed that direction, and Jesus gave us a way out. Come on, that should have made some of you want to get excited. You, let me, maybe I need to personalize it. You were already headed that way because of the life, the disastrous life that you were living. But Jesus gave you a way out. So good is not good enough. We need a Savior. We need Jesus. The Pharisees were good. But on the inside, Jesus said they were dead. You see, religion alone will never save your soul. Jesus has called you to a personal relationship with him. It's not religion. It's relationship. The third characteristic is this. They claim to have special status with God. And you boast about your special relationship with him. You see, the Jews felt that they had an inside track to God. They felt that because they were the chosen people, that they had special status with God. Have you ever met somebody that was a religious person and they used their religi religiosity, if you would, as a platform to stand upon? Suddenly they were better than anyone else and they had the authority to shake the finger at people because the people they were shaking the finger at weren't part of the cool club. Come on. Have you guys seen that before? That's the trait of a religious person. Jesus taught that religion will never get us to heaven. It's a relationship that gets us to him. It's not enough to, to know God's will. We must personalize God's will. What does it mean to personalize God's will? It means we, we live it out on a regular basis. It means that we, we take it to heart. Again, it's not enough to know God's will. You must personalize God's will. You've got to allow it to be integrated into all that you are. It's not what. But it's who. Our fourth characteristic is this. They claim a high moral standard. Verse 19 says it this way. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. For you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You may be asking yourself at this moment, well, pastor, what's wrong with a high moral standard? Absolutely nothing. You should have a high moral standard. You should have a strong code of ethics. But morality and integrity alone will not get you to heaven. Values and priorities are good, but they're not good enough. Why? Because we all sin, we all fall short. 
the Jews and a lot of religious people, they, they somehow feel as though they're superior because of their moral ethics. I'm better than so-and-so. Have you ever compared yourself to somebody just to justify your actions? Don't raise your hand. Well, I'm better than so-and-so down the street. I watched them Friday night, and let me just tell you, I'm better than that. So we justify our actions. We justify our behaviors. We claim to have a high moral standard, but Bible knowledge will not get you to heaven. Having morals will not save your soul. Jesus is the only way. In fact, the Bible says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through him, through Jesus. We need a relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to allow him to change us, not just on the outside, not just cleaning up the outside, not just allowing us to have a high moral standard, but do a transformation on the inside. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 that we shouldn't be conformed to the world. Can I just tell you, there are a lot of churches and a lot of Christians being conformed to the world. They're accepting the junk that the world is throwing their way. But the Bible says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed from the inside out. By allowing God to do a transformation on the inside. This is where the Pharisees were lacking. They were really good at the outside, but they missed the inward transformation there's got to be a 180 degree turn away from sin and pursue the journey toward God our fifth characteristic is this they have condescending attitudes toward others do you know anybody like that yeah is that you no don't don't answer that Verse 21, let's read what it says. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but you steal. You say that it's wrong to commit adultery, but guess what? You commit adultery. You condemn idolatry, but you use items stolen from the pagan temples. You're so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. Are we guilty of saying one thing and, and doing another? Of causing a, a disconnect to the world around us? He says, the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. Are we guilty of being someone's excuse to run away from God? Have we become so religious that no longer do we reflect the very nature of who God is? You see, the Bible says that we, 
are to allow everything that we say and everything that we do to be done in reflection of who Jesus is. But are we so guilty of clinging to this idea of religion that we, we miss the, the heart connection that he has for us? And suddenly the world around blasphemes the name of God because of us. See, our faith is not to make us superior, but our faith is to bring those around us into a relationship with God. Our heart's desire should be to populate heaven. And three of you said amen. Come on, our desire, your desire, not just me as a pastor, but your desire should be to populate heaven. Of being so bold in your relationship. Of being willing to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. To step out and share the good news. And not just say it, but live it. Because I'm telling you what, the unchurched world is watching every step that you take. They're, they're trying to determine, is this religion thing, it's what they call it, is it real? Is this Jesus thing worth it? Or is it just a bunch of hype? That's what they're trying to determine. And here Paul says, the sad news, the reality of it is this. Many of them are blaspheming the name of God because of the so-called Christians. Church, listen carefully. It's time for us to create a change. It's time to step out of the religion, and it's time to step into the relationship that Jesus Christ has made available to you and to me. Billy Graham said it this way, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. what it is it's just one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread it's not to look at somebody and go you know what i'm better than you because i went to church almost every sunday last year and you're a creaster christmas and easter only but it's what we do we condemn the world around us because of their lack of connection with God. We should never expect the unbeliever to act like a believer until they are one. Jesus never said, go clean yourself up, get rid of all your faults, get rid of your bad habits, and then come to me. He said, come to me with all your hang-ups, your problems, your faults, your sin, and I will give you the power to change. Bible tells us that we're to love the sinner, but despise the sin. Church, we got to stop celebrating sin, whether silently or vocally. We got to turn to a pursuit of Jesus Christ. Look at characteristic number six. They don't always practice what they preach. Well, then, he says, if you teach others, 
Why don't you teach yourself? Oh, you're really good at speaking it. You're really good at saying it. But the actions that I see, the behavior that is demonstrated, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? Paul says your walk doesn't match your talk. Your conduct doesn't match your claims. Your behavior doesn't match your belief. You say one thing, but you do something quite different. Isaiah chapter 29 says it this way. And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts, their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by ropes. They claim to be a follower. They hold on to the title. They look the part on the outside. They dress up real nice like. The heart is a disconnect. A lot of religious people just give lip service to God and they feel as, as if somehow that's enough. On Sunday we pray and we sing songs of praise, but then you walk out the door and the life that you live doesn't match what you did on Sunday morning. Paul says, because of the way you act, unbelievers are turned off. Unbelievers don't want to have anything to do with the church. He says, you claim to be a teacher. You claim to be an instructor. You claim to be a guide. You claim to be a serve team member. But you're turning people away. Let me say it again. Never allow the way that you live to be someone's excuse to turn from Jesus. Our final characteristic is this. They rely on routine and tradition. The Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. But if you don't obey God's law, you are no better off than the uncircumcised Gentile. Can we see that scripture up there, please? The Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. But if you don't obey God's law, you are no better off than the uncircumcised Gentile. This practice had become ritual understand this there's a difference between just an outward practice and an inward attitude the original circumcision it was meant as an expression of faith i'm a follower i'm a believer in god i have a commitment to god it symbolized that commitment but paul says that the outward symbol means nothing if there's no inward commitment just because you have tradition just because you have spiritual rituals 
doesn't make you right with God. It's got to be a matter of the heart. You see, we could substitute anything into this place today. We could say baptism, communion, church attendance, baby dedication serve team member, whatever it happens to be. It doesn't matter the routine. It doesn't matter the tradition. All these things are useless symbols if there's no heart commitment. You see, routine and tradition without commitment are worthless. we got to learn to lean in the things of God, to trust in the things of God. We must come to the place that we are more than just a name on a door, but there's a heart change, a reflection, not just from the outside, but a reflection of what's happening on the inside of our lives. I challenge you today, make the transfer from what to who. I'm not just a Christian, but I'm a follower, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I don't just attend church, but I have a commitment to a relationship with the one who so loved me that he gave his life on the cross of Calvary. You see, church, it's it's not what. It's not what we say we are, but it's who is deep on the inside of our lives. It's that DNA that runs through our veins. I'm not just a Christian. I'm a disciple. I'm a follower of Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me today? Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you.